Ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast, put your hands together for Steven Risotto. What is happening, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 101 of RizzoCast. I'm Steven Risotto, and today we are joined by a very special guest. We're going to preview the upcoming San Francisco Giants season as they embark on their 20, uh, 2022 season uh, at Oracle Park starting on Friday, which is opening day, Friday, April uh, what is it? The eighth? I can't even keep track of the days now, Danny. Uh, but we know we're joined by Danny Emmerman, uh, he of KMBR.com. He's a Giants beat writer. And uh, Danny, thanks for coming on the pod. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on, man. This is awesome. Yeah, and and what were you doing during the lockout? I saw some basketball coverage in the uh, in the arsenal there of of Danny Emmerman. Was that going on? You were covering some basketball, some Golden State Warriors at the Chase Center. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I I was able to stay busy during the lockout, which was nice. I know not every baseball writer had that luxury. Um, but yeah, I did a little bit of a lockout reporting, um, but mostly pitching in on some Warriors content for KNBR.com, the sports leader, um, which was nice. It's always a nice change of pace. Uh, I love NBA. I love uh, basketball in general, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I think it must be like it usually because I know you're an East Coast guy and a lot of people not from the Bay Area kind of view Steph Curry as, you know, just another great NBA player. But here he's very mythical. And I know he's kind of had uh, had a rough stretch there during, uh, you know, for a few months there. And now he's hurt. Um, so, I mean, you get to see some really good players at the, the Golden State House. Yeah, no, getting to see Steph all the time in person was like probably the coolest job perk. I've experienced so far. Yeah, perfect. And now you're set to cover this Giants team that may not have the star power that Golden State has had in the past, but they're expected to do pretty well. And uh, speaking of last season, I mean, you covered a team that won 107 games that was not expected to even finish top two in their division after what kind of San Diego did the offseason prior. And obviously the Dodgers are the Dodgers. So what was that kind of like covering that team, that that 107 win, a franchise record, uh, and covering them kind of down the stretch the last few months of the season? What a magical year, huh? It was great. Um, I joined the beat in late August, moved over from Boston to cover the Giants for KNBR, and really jumped right into the thick of it. Um, you know, the Giants did this fun little thing where they won every day. So that was pretty cool to experience. Um, they played they played 600 ball in every single month last year, including every single month that I covered, obviously, and that the divisional race was, you know, one of the most historic, um, exciting things that's ever happened in baseball. Um, and, you know, so you will about how it all ended. It obviously didn't end as Giants fans would like or as baseball fans would have hoped with the specific ending in the check swing call. Uh, but it was it was quite a race and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it, it was it was great. And I know that there's a lot of momentum here uh, this season that the Giants kind of have have built up. And uh, I think there's a lot of momentum even after that game five loss. And I think a lot of uh, people would have wanted to see seven games out of that series, myself included. I'm sure you, too. 
so as we enter into this year, Danny, uh, there's got to be some expectations. Obviously, you know, nobody has won. Nobody, uh, no Giants team has won 107 games until last year. So I don't think we're going to see it again. But are we going to see a team that regresses a lot, kind of back to earth type of thing? Or are we going to still see a really good, you know, 90 plus win San Francisco Giants team? And I know baseball's hard to predict, but kind of do your best here. Where do you, where do you see the Giants in 2022? So in terms of expectations for this season, we're kind of back to square one with, with how people were looking at this team ahead of last year. Um, you know, Picota has the Giants pegged as a 75 win team. And with a 0% chance at winning the NL West. And that's baseball perspectives' uh, preseason prediction model. Fangraphs is even worse. I think they had them at 74 wins, I believe. Um, so the computers don't think the Giants are going to be very good this year. They think they're going to regress a lot. I mean, going from 107 wins to 75 is what? That's a 32-win difference. I'm not a math guy, but... A few months that would the baseball. That's that's a lot of baseball. That's a lot of victories wiped off their their plate. Um, I don't think it will be that drastic. I think projection models have some difficulties um, taking things like uh, platoon advantages and injuries into account. Um, and those are obviously very hard things to predict, but there are things that could help the Giants kind of lessen that blow. Um, in terms of what to expect this year, um, you know, there's going to be regression. No, they're not going to win 107 games again, like you mentioned. But there's no reason why this team shouldn't be contending for a wild card spot, especially uh, with the expanded playoffs. And there's going to be three wild card teams in, in each in each league, and I expect the Giants to be in the mix for one of them. Yeah, that's I don't think that's bold at all. I think that's that's a pretty straightforward take there. And and back to the whole regression of 30 games and winning 75 games. I mean, Buster Posey, great. Obviously, he's not someone you just go out there and say, we're going to replace Buster Posey. Uh, Kevin Gosman, you know, they added another starting pitcher into the mix with Carlos Rodon. I mean, a, a kind of a Chris Bryant was, I guess, just a bit above league average offensively when he joined the giants like is that all worth 30 games probably not so uh, we'll have to see what happens in terms of you know i guess what happens that's kind of the story of baseball it's not like the nba or the nfl when you could kind of uh guesstimate who's going to be in the playoffs and the playoff matchup before every season uh and the giants playing a really good division we saw this last year san diego i know kind of fell off towards the end but they kind of rejuvenize their pitching a little bit uh they're looking to make some moves to improve their lineup uh and of course the rockies i think got better a little bit you know the rockies are always dangerous because just where they play and it messes with everything Uh, and the diamondbacks obviously as well i mean this is a good division danny do you think it's the best in baseball though it's not the best in baseball um, East Coast bias, the, the AL East is the best division in baseball. They're going to have, I think they're going to have four playoff teams this year. And it's pretty incredible to think about that. Um, but no, I mean, you're right. That's why they play the games. You never know what's going to happen. Um, everyone right now is, is O&O and hope springs eternal in baseball. Yeah. And of course there's a lot of buzz right now around Scottsdale um, about a few different players. I mean, it's not the, 
the positional battle that everybody like just salvates over in spring training, right? It's kind of just a straightforward, you know, there's going to be 28 guys in April. They get to carry two more guys. So it's a bit easier to figure out. And I know they've cut their, their roster a little bit. There's not a ton of guys left in camp that are on the brink. Um, but I mean, who in your, in your eyes has kind of caught your attention as someone who could, you know, maybe help this Giants team, even if it's not a, a recognizable name. Like I know we've seen Alex Blandino put up some really good games and um, Jason Krasan, although I know he was just reassigned and Blandino was too, but <laughs> who are some guys that, uh, God, I should not have gone there knowing that they've been reassigned, but whatever, we'll roll with it. Cause I think they're still going to have an impact on this club. Who are some guys that have made the kind of the biggest buzz around camp for you this, uh, this spring? Yeah, just because they've been reassigned doesn't mean that they're necessarily, you know, ruled out for the year at the big league level. Um, I do think guys like Alex Landino and Jason Krasan will get a shot at, at playing with the big league club if there are more injuries in the infield. You already have Emma Longoria out and Tom Lastella. Kind of his status is up in the air still, although he has been playing and, and hitting well. Um, so those two guys, they could get a shot at the big league level for sure. I think that would be really cool for a guy like Jason Krizan, who's kind of like been a career minor leaguer and he's already 32 years old. He's, he's been, he's definitely paid his dues um, per se. Um, a guy that I think could definitely, definitely help the giants in San Francisco this year is Elliot Ramos. And that's probably a guy that you've heard about and he's not super under the radar or anything, but this is a team that's probably going to need his, his right-handed hitting in the outfield. And he definitely has power. He's slimmed down a little bit. It looks like he's moving a little bit quicker. Looks like his bat speed might be a little faster. I'm not an expert, of course. So, you know, I don't know exactly how much faster, if at all, his bat is. But he looks great out there. And he, he's another guy who's been reassigned, I think. But he should be up with the Giants sooner rather than later. A hundred percent, I agree. Ramos is a guy who, former first-round pick, and somebody that I know Giants fans have been pretty high on the last few years. Um, and another guy that the Giants have been pretty high on the last few years, and he's finally going to get his opportunity, and we've heard so much about him this spring, is Joey Bart. And Joey Bart, um, again, as I mentioned uh, previously, you're not going to replace Buster Posey. He's not going to try to be Buster Posey. He probably shouldn't try to be Buster Posey. Um, and he really hasn't. He's He's been Joey Bart this spring, and we've seen some – some some big swings from him, just a home run um, the day before this was recorded, and then a moonshot, a few moonshots to left field. Um, I mean, we saw him a little bit for a cup of coffee in 2020 when Posey opted out and the Giants really didn't have any production coming from the catching position, and he looked kind of overwhelmed. Maybe he's more comfortable now. Uh, so, you know, Kirk Casale is going to be there, which is good, too, to kind of help Joey Bart's development and Casale is a guy that could play a few times a week. So, I mean, Joey Bart, what, what do we expect from, from Joey Bart in 2022? Because a lot of fans are expecting him to come out of the gates with, you know, 30 home run power and, you know, hitting 260. That might be a little bit too far-fetched, but what is kind of realistic for Joey Bart at this point? So I think, I think Joey Bart being a little bit overwhelmed in 2020 isn't really a bad thing necessarily. Um, it's kind of good that he got some big league chops at however old he was. I think he was 23 in, in that season. 
And that was only two years after he'd gotten drafted. It's very difficult to be an effective rookie catcher. That's just a position that is very demanding. And there's a reason why there's not a lot of, you know, really good rookie catchers. But yeah, I mean, fans for this year can expect Joey to be, you know, a real big contributor and kind of a bellwether for this team's success. I mean, if you look at who he got drafted around, you can tell that it's like it's time for Joey to make an impact. Also in his draft with Casey Mize, Nick Madrigal, Alec Bohm, Jonathan India, Jared Kalenic, um, you know, Logan Gilbert's going to be a huge guy this year for Seattle. I mean, now is the time for guys in the 2018 class to kind of make their impact on the league. And Joey, Joey shouldn't be any different. Mm-hmm. He yeah. has. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's had he's had big expectations in San Francisco for a long time since they drafted him second overall. Um, but the reports out of camp have been overwhelmingly positive. And it seems like he has a bit of a new, different more calm, more composed, a little bit more confident demeanor in the clubhouse um, than what I suppose he was purported to have um, prior. Yeah, it's definitely a positive for sure. And and you mentioned that 2018 class and when Bart was you know picked out of Georgia Tech, the big thing about him was, oh, he got to call his own games in college, which never happens. And Georgia Tech does that. And I think it's great that they do that. Uh, now I don't know what it's going to be like with the new technology coming into pitch calling, but um, and and Joey Bart has been raved on by some of the pitchers in camp. Rodon said nice things about him, and another guy who's going to be the presumed ace of this staff, Logan Webb, has said great things about him and and throwing to him. Uh, and speaking of Webb, who is you know one of baseball's best pitchers in the second half and kind of overall last year, and a guy who. Uh, I don't think lost his final, what was it like 22 starts or something? He didn't lose once. He was like 11 and 0 or 12 and 0. Um, I mean, is Logan Webb real? Uh, is, is he the guy that Giants fans could turn to for the next five, six years as the ace? Or was 2021 a fluke for Logan Webb? I know it's a loaded question, Danny. Good luck. No, I mean, I, I don't think it's that loaded up a question there's nothing there's no evidence to suggest that last year was a fluke I mean, he he was so effective for so long against the toughest lineups in the toughest moments that he kind of checks every he, he checked every single possible box you possibly could as an ace starting pitcher and maybe he has a couple rough starts this year I wouldn't panic at all if that happens but yeah I mean I think Logan Webb and, and fans of the Giants should expect Logan Webb to be an ace level pitcher for the Giants this year and, and for many years to come. And he's he's earned that benefit of the doubt by how well he pitched down the stretch last year. And I think his ground ball rate was one of the best in baseball in the second half as well. And he's got a great staff um, behind him too and around him. We talked about Rodon uh, for a second there, and they bring back Dee Sclafani and Alex Wood uh, and Alex Cobb, kind of like a new reinvented driveline version of Alex Cobb, which I don't think anybody expected. Everybody just saw Alex Cobb throwing, and then like his third start, they're like, oh, wait, he's throwing 98 now. And it was just, it was kind of funny how that all went down, but he looks like he could be a nice find. They got him on a multi year deal. Um, I mean, the pitching 
it's looking to be like the strong um the the strong building block around this team and around what the theme of this team is going to be do you do you agree with that i do it it seems like kind of a giants team built in a classic fashion when you think about the 2010 2012 2014 teams that were kind of built by a staff that lifted the rest of the team up i will say the starting rotation should be one of this team's strongest um, aspects and strongest units. It is on paper for sure, but there are real concerns for like absolutely with this rotation. Carlos Rodon has had very bad shoulder issues in the past and his availability, his availability will be key in supporting Logan Webb as an ace. Same thing with Alex Cobb, who hasn't thrown a hundred innings, I think since 2018. You can fact check me on that, but He's a guy who also hasn't been durable at all. And Alex Wood has come with his own, you know, injury risk in the, in the past as well. This coaching staff has done a great job managing and, and mitigating health risks before, you know, guys are going to get blows when they need to. They're not going to get overtaxed, especially early in the season. And the veterans are going to be taken care of. And they're going to have like open lines of communication with the coaching staff to be honest with them about injuries and to get rest days when they need. But sometimes injuries just happen. And if they kind of, if there's a confluence of injuries to the staff at the wrong period of time, I think that could be really detrimental to this, to this year's team. And I mean, when you look at the division and how, how stacked it could be and how last year proved that you need consistent excellence with playing 600 ball every month, one, one or two, you know, a month, or six weeks here and there with a bunch of injuries piled up could really sink a team. And that's gotta be scary for a team built on so many question marks health-wise. Yeah, no, it's a thousand percent. And uh, we, Evan Longoria had the surgery and he's, you know, was, he was the guy that everybody was looking to against left-handed pitching as a right-handed bat in the lineup uh, mm -hmm. and, and going back to pitching. And I know Brooks Knudsen, a uh, friend of the show, and I know he, he listens to all of these uh, he mentioned the uh, the possibility of a six man rotation because all these guys, if you look at their their splits, they've all had extensive time in a six man. Well, I guess Rodon and Cobb especially have all pitched um, with six man rotations at one point last season, uh, and they've benefited the most in those spots. So I think that I don't know. Well, I don't know. Is that a possibility? I know you have Tyler Beatty who's out of options and waiting in the wings. Sammy Long's been a starter before. Um, I know they just optioned Jake, Jacob Junis, but he's definitely going to have an impact on this team. Is there any chance of a six-man rotation maybe for the first month since there's been a, a, a an expansion of the, of the rosters? Um, in general, I'm surprised that that trend hasn't caught on more than it has. I suppose it's still kind of new, but you see the Brewers – use six-man rotation a lot. Um, the Rays do a bunch of funky stuff with their starters, obviously. Um, but it kind of just proves that you can never have enough starting. It's kind of one of the reasons why I'm surprised Johnny Cueto is still a free agent. I mean, he was pretty much a league average pitcher last year. And, like, he's not going to be available for, you know, he's not going to make 30 starts, but – if you can get 10 to 15 starts out of Johnny Cueto at, at league average level, like that's pretty valuable for a staff. Um, Steve with Cohen. This, <laughs> with this Giants team, um, 
they don't they only result to things like uh, they only resort to things like an opener or you know a game by committee when they really have to they're open to it but they kind of do it out of necessity more than anything um but if they have you know six healthy starters i wouldn't be surprised once matthew boyd returns from from his injury maybe if they really like what they see out of out of sam long this year or jacob junis like you mentioned they could get spot starts just to give guys extra extra days off i wouldn't be surprised at all i'm i don't really expect that in the first month per se just because they don't really know what they have yet out of those guys. Um, and Matthew Boyd won't be ready, but they do have 19 games in 20 days to start. So you never know what's going to happen. And the schedule is just like crazy. I mean, the schedule is like, you know, Cleveland, right? I think it's Cleveland. And then they, they go to DC. One of the, I'm missing a few. Then they, they have a random one game series or one game in Milwaukee. So just mm-hmm. that, that first road trip is just, I'm not getting the specifics right, but it's it's wild if you go and look at that. Um, but yeah, I, I like what you said about the Rays because Kerry Crowley would always say this. The Rays just have guys. They just have guys, just bulking in guys just randomly. And I think the Giants definitely have a lot of guys that could throw bulk, bulk innings in the bullpen. Um, so we talked about some of the additions in the rotation. Jock Peterson, I guess the most notable bat that they bring in. Um, a guy who I guess my analysis is kind of a him and Alex Dickerson have had like it's basically identical the last since since Dickerson was traded to San Francisco they've basically had identical everythings but except Peterson hits for more power Um, so I mean he's going to be someone that's going to run into one all the time uh, against right-handed pitching so where does Jock Peterson fit in this outfield that's kind of already left-handed hitting heavy with this Stremski and a healthy Lamont Wade Jr. and Steven Duggar, who's fighting for a spot on this team? Uh, I'm probably forgetting some, but I mean, where does, where does Jock fit? And I know that the DH is now in the National League. That might help. Uh, but what do you think about the Giants bringing in Jock Peterson? Hometown kid. Hometown kid has a relationship with Farhan Zaidi. I think it makes a lot of sense when it made a lot of sense when they did it. Um, But you're right. They do have kind of a log jam of left-handed hitting outfielders who are kind of at this point, more platoon guys than everyday players. They're, they're hoping that Mike Yastrzemski returns more to 2020 and he can, he can be effective against lefties again, like he was that year. Last year, he took a big step back in that area, but, there were a bunch of underlying issues with him at the plate last year that have been, you know, publicly addressed. Um, so as long as, you know, Yaz is hitting lefties, that leaves, you know, a platoon squad of Lamont Wade Jr., Jock Peterson, um, you know, Austin Slater and Steven Duggar as guys who you don't want in the lineup every day, but can contribute in a key situation off the bench or start against lefties with a matchup advantage. I think Jock can really can really excel in that kind of more of a limited role. You've seen him do it in the past with the Braves and Dodgers and come through with big hits. He has a ton of power still. Um, so I think the signing made a lot of sense. It's just not really that, uh, you know, splashy signing that I think fans hoped for. 
but I think he'll still be a valuable player. And I don't know when this podcast is running, but stay tuned for a story on Jock on KNBR.com ahead of opening day. There you go. Nice plug. Oh boy. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the right-handed thumper that uh, I mean, everybody, I mean, you probably listen to KNBR a lot because you know, company man, uh, I listen to, to KNBR and, and 95, seven, the game. And basically I mean, everybody's calling in and everybody's talking about the lack of right-handed bat that they didn't pursue. Or I guess they, you know, the fact that Nick Castellanos was out there and uh, Seiya Suzuki was out there and, you know, they're not bringing in any of these guys. Was that a shock to you that they didn't, you know, I guess replace Chris Bryant and Buster Posey's presence with maybe another right-handed bat in the outfield, preferably? It, it was a surprise, and I thought they would do something incremental. Um, but when you look at guys um, and what they signed for, I mean, what did Nelson Cruz sign for with the Nationals? I think it was a one-year, like, $12 million deal. I don't think this front office was doling out that kind of money, although that's the type of player they were probably after. The Nelson Cruz's and Jorge Soler's, the right-handed bats who have – you know, a ton of power and can lengthen their order. Um, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um, and I think they were pretty close on Seiya Suzuki. All, all signs pointed to that as a good match. And Chicago just gave him a ton of money. And I hope it works out for Seiya Suzuki. He seems like a really fun guy and an exciting player to watch and root for. But I, I thought that he would really fit well on this team specifically and in this city. Um, listen, things don't work out. And I wouldn't rule out the Giants going after a right-handed bat if they're in contention uh, in the season, and that's still a need. But in, in the interim, it, the lack of right-handed hitting on this team kind of makes Darren Ruff, like sneakily, the most important player on the team, for better and worse. I think Darren Ruff is going to have an awesome year. And I think every single person who follows the San Francisco Giants is going to get Darren Ruff in their fantasy drafts this week because he's going undrafted in every league. So I think that's a, you know, sneaky pick in the last round of your fantasy baseball draft. And he's going to play every day. And I think he is going to be, at least to start the year, kind of what makes or break their lineup. Yeah, and he's hit or he can hit basically anywhere in the lineup. We saw him in the leadoff spot a few times last year and um, a guy who could hold his own against right-handed pitching um, and also very underrated outfielder. Not like, I mean, he's, he's not a gold glove outfielder by any standards, but he, you know, he takes some good routes and he cuts balls off and he does some of the little things, right? So Darren Ruff, definitely uh, we'll, we'll get to see him a lot. Um, and one thing that, that, adds in with the dh i guess a little bit is you have one less bench bat uh, i don't think it will impact anything in april but definitely you know gabe kapler i mean giants led the world in pinch hit home runs last year i think it was a big league record um and they have one less bench bat now to play around with it they have one less spot in the order to to hit for i guess and they would always have the line change in like the fifth or sixth inning where you know they bring in a left-handed pitcher and you'd see Darren Ruff and you'd see Austin Slater and you'd see just a complete shift in momentum with the batting order. Um, 
I mean, is is that still something that's sustainable, like in the middle of games that Gabe Kapler does? Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> I, I don't think... know what that question was, though. But by the way, I, I was getting on something else. But is that more, I guess, with the DH, is that more? Yeah. Um, yeah, sustainable, I guess. So proponents of the of the DH, you know, they're big fans of more offense. They like they don't like pitchers hitting at all. They hit, I think, like a combined 130 last year, and they're always just striking out or trying to bunt and looking silly. Um, fans of the DH rule like, as you mentioned, the strategy aspect of it. I personally think that is kind of overblown, and there will, you're going to see a lot of pinch hitting and strategy out of the Giants next year, even with the DH. There's still going to be plenty of opportunities to find matchup advantages. Um you know, the situations will come later in the games, I think, typically. You'll have much less of the, oh, this pitcher's coming up in the order, but he's only at 80 pitches and he's pitching well. Do we keep him in or do we try to keep this rally going? That won't happen anymore, but I think that's okay. It's kind of a false choice that managers have to make now. It's kind of unnecessary. Um, and I think overall it'll be – you know, good for the game, good for offense. We'll see more home runs. Everybody will have a good time. Yeah, ex- a great point on that. I didn't even realize that it's gonna it's gonna give pitchers the chance to maybe go a little deeper into the games because mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to make that you know bases loaded one out. You don't have to make that pinch hit decision for the pitcher spot. Uh, so that's definitely going to be beneficial. Um, and finally, before we we go here, Gabe Kapler. I think is, is one of the smartest people in the room when he's in a room. Um, and he's, he's definitely someone that, that's, that thinks through things and he's, he's extremely positive. And I think, you know, giants players like to play for him and, you know, he, he gives you the, the run through a brick, uh, brick wall mentality type of thing. Um, I mean, sometimes listening to him, I feel like I could run through a brick wall for the guy. Um, is his is his like personality and the way he looks at the game and you and I were both at the event uh, on Friday the media open house and they talked about the term that was a direct quote from Gabe Cap. I keep thinking about it game up Giants baseball game up that's going to be the slogan that they're going to use this year uh, and it's a quote from Gabe Kapler um, and it, it kind of it kind of really really it's a good job by the marketing team because they really kind of nailed it with the theme of this team as they did last year with the whole resilience stuff. Um, but do you get that same sense where just like guys love to play for him and he's someone that is just, he's different from what San Francisco has seen in years past. You are a much bigger fan of game up than I am. You don't like it? Oh, as man. a slogan. <laughs> um, but that aside, I don't want to make any enemies in the Giants marketing department. Um, that aside, um, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, you asked if there's, you know, ever been, I don't, I don't, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but you've asked if there's been, you know, a guy like Gabe Kapler in San Francisco. I don't really think there's like a manager in baseball kind of ever like Gabe Kapler, not even in the sense that he was, um, you know, a former player. You've seen plenty of former players be manager. It's kind of a sense that he relates to all his players in a different way. He's a guy that's going to coach his team and coach his coaches as well. 
and then posts on his Instagram story like the new Vince Staples album. And like that's an interesting thing that you know baseball managers haven't really done in the past. Um, they they've related to their players before, don't get me wrong. They've related to pop culture, whatever. I think Alex Cora is a very good example of that. He's you know, all the Red Sox players love to play for and they'll respect him very, very much. Um, but he goes about it a little bit differently than Gabe does. Um, it's a very interesting and kind of fresh brand of managers uh, that Gabe is is kind of representing. And I think there might be more more Gabe Kapler's coming eventually, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and the front office background too. And uh, just know that the entire Giants marketing department has turned on you, Danny, and you'll probably not be allowed within the uh the perimeters of the building so um that's too bad giants game up why don't you like it though like what what's what's wrong with giants game up giants baseball game up i i think it's harmless i don't carry the way i don't i mean it's a marketing thing but what's wrong with it i don't think the average san francisco giants baseball fan is gonna walk by a slogan that says game up (laughs) And A, know what it's saying or talking about, and B, be like, oh, I really want to go see the Giants now. Um, I don't know if any slogan would do that. I don't know if Resilient did that per se. I don't even know what necessarily the goal of a team slogan is. But whatever they are, I don't think Game Up accomplishes them. Yeah, I mean, I guess that does make sense. You're walking by a sign and you don't automatically think, Oh, Giants baseball game up. That's the Gabe Kapler mentality. That's the it's just not mentality. a thing. Yeah. No, no. Okay. I see what you're saying now. Makes sense. <laughs> Makes sense now. So I, I still don't care either way, but um, maybe fans will attach onto it. I guess that's the main audience. Um, so yeah. Anyways, Danny, man, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. I appreciate it, my man. And of course, again, you guys could find his content on KMBR.com. What's coming up again on KMBR? Do you want to plug yourself again? Yeah, we've got a, um, ahead of opening day, we'll run a story about Jock Peterson that I think you'll enjoy. Jock Peterson, the pride of Palo Alto and the number one ride, uh, wide receiver ahead of Devontae Adams uh, at That's Palo right. Alto High School back in the day. Check his Ma- uh, Max Preps page. It's true. Um, so yeah, can't wait to can't wait to read that. Uh, and of course, you guys could follow him on Twitter uh, at Danny Emmerman. And Emmerman is E M E R M A N. And uh, I mean, we were both tweeting about the, uh, the different flavored popcorn at the ballpark <laughs> now. So you guys could check out that content as well. And of course, I was pod- offended as a popcorn fan. Yeah, I like popcorn too. I mean, in case you guys are wondering, the Giants introduced this new area down below by the garden. It's called the Bullpen Boardwalk. And they put amusement park style games and amusement park style food. And part of the food is popcorn. And they got like 15 or 10, like it's like 10 to 15 different flavors of popcorn. And they're like 95% of it is all nasty, like great popcorn and. Ugh jalapeno flavored popcorn just give banana me like, oh strawberry just, yeah sour apple popcorn <laughs> what was, are we doing here it was it was rough and i mean they're gonna eventually narrow it down and figure out which <laughs> one 
people aren't buying like if, if you're going in to buy like a chili or pepper like popcorn like then i feel like a head examination is probably your your next step there because nobody's doing that <laughs> but yeah i guess uh we'll, we'll have to see the when the reports come in about how the popcorn does can't wait um yeah and then you guys can follow the podcast as well on twitter and instagram at RizzoCast and spotify apple podcasts uh wherever you find your podcast and uh yeah that's that's pretty much it new content coming up soon and see you next time <laughs>